0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and babies and non baby children. So, uh, speaking of babies, we're going to talk about sex and sexuality. So, you know, just going to give a few thoughts about it. Um, One, I guess we could say, I think it's, uh, you know, something maybe it's healthy not to talk about around kids for example because I think I do believe you know some of that taboo around talking about sex a lot of the ta- there's different taboos about around sex like oh you shouldn't do this you shouldn't say that or whatever um, and some of that I think in the west we've moved towards this liberal sexual culture where it's like everything's fine but I think you know pedophilia is not fine for example so obviously there's certain boundaries you know which are appropriate, um, and I think you know, say talking about sexuality around some people, like kids, um, or around say some people where you know their belief system is radically more conservative, then I think it's appropriate to not you know uh, need to talk about it. Like, um, so, but then around in general between adults, you know, I think yeah, if you get feedback like someone's uncomfortable about it or they prefer not to talk then it's like, okay, fine, you know, we don't need to, you know, make jokes or even talk, have discussions, um, which are uh, going, you know, so nakedly to the core of things. Um, but, uh, you know, normally I think the general rule is like, yeah, t- there should be nothing weird about talking about sex, like among adults, you know. And the part of growing up is kind of understanding sex and given that that's where everyone comes from, basically, and um, then to be able to so understand it and then be able to talk about it, you know, um, and say so definitely once you're in a relationship and you you know, then you need to talk about that, um, or you need to communicate about you know, what it is and what you want, what the other person wants, you know, so um, you can't get around it, um, but uh, so yeah let's see but, i mean i think uh it's a very powerful force right um reproduction like animals have the desire or the impulses or instincts that evolutionary drives which have been selected for like um you know the there are you know giraffes neck is long because it's been selected for There's selective pressure on that it's like um the giraffes who had a gene which made their necks longer, um, they were uh, a- able to eat more leaves because they could eat the low leaves, but they could also eat the really high leaves which other giraffes couldn't. So they s- survived more, which gave them more chance to reproduce. But also they were healthier, and so their, re- you know, their offspring were healthier and stood a better chance of living, and so on. You know, and their offspring get the genes and can do the same thing. And so you have a thing where you know. um, that that gene can proliferate really quickly and just take over um, a gene pool. Now then I think probably what's also happening is there's some sort of um, elegant design of like divine intelligence driving and kind of creating changes like, you know, um, my brother has a good line in one of his songs, like Plasticine Daydream, check it out, good song. Silver Hills, Plasticine Daydream but there's a line in there like um, playing God at the age of three, tell me is reality just a dream um, like uh, cowboys and Indians and in their games of make-believe. So, um, but uh, yeah, playing God, you know, little kids when we play these games, you know, we that's, I think, you know, the universe might be doing something similar and just kind of exploring and creating, you know, um, on, on some other level. So I do think, you know, when things, um, certain things in evolution seem like there's not enough time for so many variables multiplying against each other, like you know a one-in-a-million chance multiplied by a one-in-a-million chance multiplied by a mil- one-in-a-million chance. There's a lot of those where I think there's not enough time frame to allow for these things to have developed, there's certain anomalies which seem to show that it's not just... It's definitely the selective pressure thing and just random... Chance, But it seems like there's also some other process going on with like, you know, divine intelligence. But hey, anyway, um, uh, we're talking about creation here. So I guess this is relevant, yeah, Um, to some extent. It's all relevant, kind of. Um, But yeah, and so um, uh, evolution has these selective pressures. Some things, they're more advantageous in a certain context. And so they just proliferate. Um, and, um, but these drives, which have been found to be useful for organisms flourishing, there's survival, like self preservation, and then there's reproduction. You want to, you know, um, create more of you, which is basically survival in a longer sense. Okay. Personal survival, no, you can have personal death. But, um, family survival, lineage survival, yeah, you can have that. You could have lineage immortality in theory. Um, or family immortality um and so um and then also you know like say uh conservation of energy which you know animals and beings seem to try to and nature in general just the path of least resistance you know like lightning goes through the path where it can flow most efficiently um and so but anyway we have these drives and sex is you know reproduction right so it's very deep. It all, you know, it's not just humans, right? Like that's so f- deep. So many creatures have uh, the sex drive. But then we also have these um, abilities of kind of self-consciousness, um, the ability to think, um, have analytical processes, and memory and anticipation, where you know you're um, you're, th- you're thinking about the future and the past, um, and you're kind of have these models in your head. Um, and so we've got that logical kind of um, capacity, and then we're that wrestles sometimes with this primal um, side of us, which is like the sex drive is like one of the most fundamental of that um, kind of the reptile brain and the mammalian or super mammalian brain, you know, the prefrontal cortex. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting and pretty fun, really. I think a lot of the, the thing with sexuality is it should be it's a, um, a doorway into connecting to your primal nature, the, the wildness or the wilderness of being a man or a woman, you know, and just, um, you know, you've had as much fun as you can have, uh, basically. Well, you know, actually I think it's probably more fun to just be aware, properly conscious. But, um, but you know, definitely feels very good. Um, and then, you know, after that Or in the, mo- in the midst of that You know, you can kind of explore Different sides of yourself And, um, and a- immediately afterwards Often you feel like, you know, very refreshed Energetically, and it seems to be very, very healthy For you, by the way um, On various levels But also, it's kind of like um, You've connected to this very Grounded self, you know No one is like, or, you know If there's been a good connection there Then um you you just feel very comfortable in your own skin you know um and then and then maybe you know you get more neurotic over time and then again have sex and it kind of brings you down to earth you know um and so i think a lot of the, the goal is to use sexuality and as a gateway into our, the primal nature our primal nature and if you use it properly like tantra kind of you can go really deep into Um, spiritual kind of awareness and oneness with your partner you know kind of understanding like oh we're two branches on the same tree and to experience yourself as the tree you know or as God as the universe Um, and that can be very healing on many levels also but um, but not to but it's very powerful and so and it's extremely pleasurable and so it's very dangerous um, if you're not if you don't have the right approach to it where You can, it can, people who are otherwise very empathetic and kind and reasonable, you know, if they have the opportunity for sexual pleasure, um, they, or even if they don't have the opportunity, but they want the, you know, they can see it dangled in front of them. It can cause them to kind of do pretty bad, um, selfish things. And, you know, whether it's making someone uncomfortable or kind of damaging relationships or being dishonest and violating their own principles, And so you've got that logical mind wrestling with the primal kind of reptilian brain. Um, And so now if you can engage with that by just becoming aware of those lizard instincts in yourself and use that, you know, redeem that and say, oh yeah, okay, I am kind of like a bit of a a mess in regard to this uh, aspect of life. Okay, let's just own that and take responsibility for it and just admit it, let it soak in and start to just, you know, take them as, um, it's a great learning opportunity, I think, to be able to, if you're a sleazy guy, you know, and you're trying to, you know, always trying to get women into bed, then to start to reco- uh, reconcile yourself with that and admit it and um, and kind of start to see that that's not really such an admirable, heroic, impressive, you know, way to live. It's actually a little bit pathetic. Um, then, um, you know, that's a great way to start like if you can um it's an opportunity for your um, higher self to kind of become more powerful because you have these primal instincts trying to push you around and so you can try start to see them as like okay these are my enemy you know but in a playful sense you know and be like okay i'm at i'm gonna it's it's a wrestling match between me and my primal instincts and i'm gonna win you know and use that as kind of food for um spiritual growth and personal development you know um So, yeah, and I think, so, it used to be, you know, it was just caged up, like, for social, you know, and still is in many parts of the world, you know, homosexuality is forbidden, um, because it's like, well, that's just sexual pleasure, but you're not contributing to reproduction, which is what is required for the survival of civilization. Um, So, a lot of civilizations have been like, ah, you know, let's just avoid that whole thing. Um, Although many have, you know, throughout time have, you know, also um, embraced it or accepted it, you know. Um, But so um, what else? There'd be, yeah, like say um, premarital sex or like, you know, sex outside of uh, marriage or say adultery um, as well. These are things where, you know, traditionally, adultery is still now pretty frowned upon. So I think it should be. I think you know, if you want to seek with someone else, you should have the the nerve and the courage and the integrity, you know, to just tell the other person, "This is oh, I want to an open relationship," or "This is what I'm doing," you know, or "I'm I feel like doing this." And then you, they can say, "Oh, why do you and feel like doing that?" You know, and you can talk about it. Maybe you'll find that there's another salute. Maybe the, your the, your partner can actually change or help you change or together you just clarify things and maybe you realize you didn't even need that or want that and you wanted or needed something in your own relationship so but um, uh, but uh yeah so say but let's say sex outside of marriage like um i think there's a lot of benefits like say aubrey marcus who's really amazing um he talks about he's talked a lot about open relationships and polyamory and that, you know, it brings up all these, you know, heavy emotions like jealousy and, you know, insecurity and stuff. Um, but the ability, you know, but it's like an accelerator. It accelerates your spiritual and personal growth. Um, and, you know, you can just enjoy the pleasure of life and like, hey, we've got enough suffering. I think it's only fair that we get to enjoy life. And When you realize like we are the universe experiencing itself, why shouldn't the universe have some fun? You know, what, like. Where is it written that the universe can't have fun, you know? So I think, you know, yeah, we should be able to enjoy ourselves. And I think we learn a lot from sexuality, just from the act itself, you know, um, um, but then also um, in the, just the, the social interactions around sex, you know, which connect to leading up to it and finding a, a mate and, you know, during that and after, you know, um, it, uh, there's a lot of interesting social dynamics and things where once you can kind of learn from that or master that or just get experience through that it feeds back into your wider life and you can become a more mature person um more confident person usually um but uh and say um often i think you know in general men are masculine in general and in general women are feminine and um and there is, you know, um, if you want to understand what that really means, there's two books I highly recommend about sexuality. One is um, uh, David Data. Well, he's the author, David Data. It's a way of the superior man. Um, it's obviously, for men, that's especially useful. But I think for women also, that would be very useful to understand, to see yourself. Um, and he's, he's basically, you know, it's like spirituality connected to sexuality. Um, as there's this funny quote on the back, it's like someone saying, "David Data must have the biggest balls in spirituality." Or mod, um, today, you know, because he's kind of you know a lot of people. Oh, I'm spiritual, but I don't really want to talk about this. I don't want people to think I'm being, you know, too lowly or something, you know. But he connects the high to the low, comes full circle. Forgive the pun. Um, so yeah, um, and that's really good. And then also um, passion play by Felice Dunas, which is she's like a therapist who um, connects sexuality to ancient Chinese medicine. Um, And it's really profound, a lot of the stuff in that. Um, And there's like, you know, practical exercises and things in both of these. But but a lot of it's about kind of communication and um, dynamics. But in general, so the, the masculine, you know, is the assertive giving force. Um, The feminine is the receptive, open force, you know, Um, that kind of, so the masculine leads, the feminine holds, you know. It's kind of these two sides of the coin in so many aspects of life. It's very interesting, kind of like a, a polarity or a spectrum, a continuum. And the masculine and the feminine are kind of the opposite sides. And it's very, so I think you can explore that a lot through sexuality and say for men, through sexuality, you can come up against your own lack of masculinity Um, or your own, you know, excess of masculinity. And um, you can come to find a place of better balance um, through those experiences. Um, And, you know, like role-playing, being able to, you know, you might have to inhabit a a certain character to kind of do what, you know, you want or what your partner wants, you know. Or you might just say, oh, we're in the moment. Let's just, you know, do this. Um, But then that might open a doorway to an authentic aspect of yourself, which you weren't yet in touch with so um but and so yeah that can be a very a great learning thing um to kind of you know become more feminine or become more masculine whatever is you know, required or feels appropriate you know to in each person's case to find that kind of golden zone um but uh yeah um so premarital sex or sex outside of marriage there's a lot of benefit to that and, say, Aubrey Marcus saying, like, yeah, you know, it's uh, very um, good and, you know, it shouldn't be taboo. Um, and I agree, but I also see value in what Jordan Peterson would say, which is the whole kind of idea that the whole sexual revolution has been um, actually pretty tragic in many ways. And so, say, the, the birth control pill, allowing women to have sex without, you know, much risk of pregnancy, um that and then there's the divorce laws, liberalization of that where, um, uh, you know, people can kind of get divorced. It's not such a big deal. It, of course, it's pretty intense, but nowhere near like it used to be. Um, and so, you know, I think in America, like half of American um, marriages uh, end in divorce. Um, and that that's pretty heavy on kids, you know. Like I grew up, um, I was a a baby when my parents got divorced and that generated, I came to find like through, as I grew older, I realized I hadn't been aware of it, but there was a lot of trauma from that, you know, and um, kind of like unconscious heartache, um, which made me more evolved and stronger overall, but I had to learn from it. So I'm grateful for it and I wouldn't change it, Um, but uh, I wouldn't, you know recommend it on there's many other lessons you could learn you know in life you don't need additional trauma especially these days um but you know I like to be practical like Jocko Willink says extreme ownership just you know take ownership of everything that, that work with what you've got you know um but uh and so I think um you know more divorce and um uh you know birth control pill allowing you know more sexuality of women to kind of go and just enjoy sexual relationships with no prospect of or little prospect of um, or maybe just no thinking about um, long-term relationship with the person. Um, Obviously, like we said, just for the reasons mentioned already, that can be very good in ways um, of helping people evolve and learn things and just enjoy life. Um, And people who, you know, maybe they're attracted to each other, but they're not really suitable for long-term relationships or maybe someone who they think they're in, you know, they will be good, but then they find actually that they're, they're not in this day and age, they can find that out and they can move in together and find or travel together and find out actually, no, this isn't going to work and they can end it. Um, but in the old days it would be like, Oh no, you have to be married first before you can get there. But the counter argument is like, um, you know, maybe they would have found through, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure actually if it is, w- there's some warning signs. I'm not sure if it's worth the effort getting married with this person. Like, mm, I kind of feel like maybe we're not on the same page with some things. Maybe they put more effort into that before the sex act back in the day, you know. But the main point just on here I'm trying to make, I guess, is um, there is Jordan Peterson and others make, um, and many women also, I can't remember their names right now, but um, have made the case that uh, the sexual revolution, like there's someone Jordan interviewed on his podcast, for example. Um, uh, actually, was not in the interests of women overall, and that you know, destabilizing the family. Um, and you know, there's already a lot of technology, technological changes, and economic changes, political changes. There's a lot of pressures going on in existence <laughs> these days, um, which are they apply to everything, including families. But um, in addition, you know, there's a lot of kids growing up without both parents around, and that can be hard. Um, and then maybe they're growing up, and there's this extreme sexualization of children, which seems to be part of you know a lot of it's money making, and like, um, but a lot of it's also just people feeling like you know you want to be cooler, right? You want to you know be an individual, and you want to be you know a rebel, right? And but then there's a lot of monetization of that, people making money off of the clothing and the makeup and the you know movies and the music or whatever that you know glorifies that kind of thing. Um, but um, the, the family unit is so vital to civilization that um, the, the, the fact that there are, say, a lot of women now who are struggling to start families. Um, I think women all around the world, actually, there is um, a depopulation crisis unfolding. So there's this common idea that you know the world is overpopulated and it's getting more and more. That's actually not true, which is really shocking. Um, again, Jordan Peterson had a podcast about this. He interviews a guy, his name escapes me, but um, he um, did a, made a documentary, which I'm yet to watch, I want to though, called Birth Gap. And uh, it's about how all around the world, for several decades this has been unfolding, but um, not just in developed countries, but in Africa, all around the, the world, Um their um, birth rates are plummeting and but we're not noticing it yet because um, medical technology and in many cases you know income um, economies have been um, getting more developed and so people are living longer but um, you've got this graying populations where yeah people are living longer so you're not noticing the population shrink but actually if people weren't living longer the populations would be in big decline already this you know the birth rate's too low and a lot of this, basically, is... It's not that the, um, the average rate of children per mother is lower. It's that the average number of children per woman is lower. Basically, there's a lot of women who aren't becoming mothers. And you might think that that's fine, but the tragic thing is that the vast majority of them want to become mothers, but for one reason or another, they, they can't. And so, you know, imagine... Um, just put yourself in their shoes for a, a minute there you know like you're a woman your body is designed by nature to for motherhood you know that's one of the primal gifts of um, women can give like you know men can't do that you know, <laughs> you know? You can't make people we we offer you know we you know maybe get the ball rolling but you know um, women are so sacred in that sense you know um, and being a woman and yet you can't fulfill that purpose um, um even though you, you want to and so a lot of why can't they well part of it is um, medical I think or some I might I'm gonna get this wrong but basically um, part some of it is like medical problems like fertility rates dropping you know and I think a lot of that's what's in our water what's in the air you know it's like you know fume car fumes break dust from you know when cars break it creates dust you know that goes up into the air kills hundreds of thousands of people a year uh, maybe more um, random chemicals which aren't really properly tested. You know, the companies who you know, are making money off it also are in bed with the regulators. Um, you know, that's in our, you know, laundry soaps, in our dish soap, in, you know, um, the floor cleaners, um, in the the paints we're using, the plastics we're using, um, you know, microwaves, There's tech, all kinds of technologies which aren't particularly healthy for us. Um, you know, processed food, um, uh, you know, not sleeping enough. There's all kinds of... Um, you know, EMFs from, you know, radio- uh, Wi-Fi and other kind of radiation, like too much exposure to this sort of non-ionizing radiation. There are, you know, the list goes on. But there's a quite toxic, um, there's a lot of toxicity in our environment in d- the developed world. So that's seemingly having effect on a fertility. Um, but then uh, also there is the fact um, that uh, a lot of... M- You know, it's much more acceptable now to not have long term relationships and just to, you know, express your and experience your sexuality. And so that, um, there's a lot of men, you know, and, (laughs) you know, to be very candid, sometimes, you know, what makes men so amazing is this um, drive and this willingness for freedom and actualization and creativity and building things. But um, that has a dark side too, where sometimes you don't want to commit enough um and you don't want to box yourself in and um be too grounded um and so you know and um the current the way things have gone with the sexual revolution um it makes it quite easy for men to just have these um no com- you know low commitment relationships and then leave a lot of women stranded and then men you know if if you take care of yourself you know the the cruel you know the kind of factor of nature is you know often um I think if women take good care of themselves, and especially spiritually, then you you can be beautiful until the day you die, you know. But um, it's this strange, you know. It's maybe not politically correct to say, but it's and David Data in that book does a great job of talking, you know, capturing the essence of this. Um, and I think also this guy um in the, on an Aubrey Marcus podcast, um, Michael Mead, I think his name is, talks about mythology. Does a great job of talking about this. But how there is a sacred beauty in the, the elder woman, um, but it but it is different to the full bloom feminine younger woman and the maid, you know, um, and uh, and so that doesn't age, you know. Um, well, you know, you could say like, you know, um, the uh, the outer attraction which often men are drawn to, um, you know, it's a flower and flowers bloom and they wither. Whereas men are less beautiful, but, um, but maybe more consistently, you know, like you, you can, um, be, uh, um, you know, take care of yourself, you know, exercise well. And, you know, if you've got your, um, you know, your good personality and often, you know, women are attracted to the personality more than just the looks, not of it's not black and white, but often it seems to be, I understand it. That's a larger part that, whereas men are, are attracted to the personality, and all that, but also quite a lot drawn to the physical looks. And part of that is connected to biology, you know, we could say. um, But, uh, you know, maybe men want someone who's very healthy to bear children. Women maybe want someone who is very um, productive and strong, but generous and um, a team player, you know. Um, And so, you know, that's not the only thing going on. But again, there's that logical brain and the um, more primal instincts, and they're often dancing and sometimes wrestling, you know, um, uh, a bit like sexuality. So, um, so, <laughs> um, the, the fact is, um, I think that's part of why women are finding it. Um, again, I might be butchering some of this, but I believe that's part of also, um, why women are finding harder to find mates. So there's the fact that, you know, there's, it's more, um, acceptable to have, non-commitment in relationships then there's also the fertility issue but um then there is also that women are more educated and careers are um are a lot more it's a beautiful thing right obviously um that women are able to um offer contribute to society and um and just you know um experience the fulfillment of professional advancement and creativity um and Kind of building things and doing traditionally masculine things of kind of just building and um, operating society physically and in terms of institutions and you know economics and all this stuff. And so women are becoming much you know um, the outperforming men in education um, out and uh, doing very well um, in you know like uh, the the professional world. But so then there's a lot of people who they find women who find. Uh, tension where they don't want to, they might delay having children because um, of their career, but then maybe to the point where when they start trying to have children, they find, okay, they're trying to find the right person and they realize, oh, it's actually, you know, not as easy as you might think. And then suddenly you're 40 and, you know, and you're trying to find someone to have kids. And, you know, um, that can be difficult because then also you want, you don't, you know, the risks of certain, um uh developmental problems um with a child start increasing as you get older there um and so but there's not just that that women you know wanting you know the, the conflict between career and family but also that um women um apparently um i think this is in the birth gap guys kind of conversation women um are more attracted in general to um to people you know who who are very successful men, right? Like, there's a thing called hypergamy. I think this is a cross cultural phenomenon of um, kind of mating and kind of, you know, that courtship among humans, where um, men uh, usually marry across and down hierarchies. Um, they're happy to marry women woman of the same socioeconomic status or a woman who, you know, they feel a good connection to who is lower in economic, socioeconomic status than them. Whereas women tend to not, um, uh, on average, don't um marry and reproduce down the socioeconomic uh hierarchy but across and up right so there's that balance there um which is funny because that's actually you know the masculine is top and the feminine is bottom That's one of those dichotomies so the men are going across and down it's like they're on top <laughs> funny all right so um but and so uh, as women, more and more women are becoming very successful in what was formerly the male kind of world, of you know, professional world, then there's a, a sh- increasingly shrinking um, pool of men who they are attracted to because they're outperforming a lot of these men. And so then maybe just not as attracted to them. And, you know, try to resist your instincts. You know, it's pretty hard, right? So what do you do there where there might be some man, guy who's really crazy about you, but you're making $500,000 a year and he's making 30000 a year, you know? And you just, you just, it's just kind of a big turnoff, you know? Um, or it could be just academically, you know, someone's a professor, a woman's a professor and then the guy is, you know, they get on really, they would get on really well, but he's, you know, the cleaner in the university and she's like, yeah, I mean, um, whatever it is, you know? So I think that's another aspect. Anyway, so zooming back from that tangent um, apparently the age of 30, something like some huge number of women at the age of 30 who want to have children, aren't having children. Um, and so that's one aspect of the whole sexuality topic, you know, is that, um, there's a lot of families that civilization requires to continue to, you know, so we can, even if you think, ah, don't be so serious. I just want to hang out and have fun. You, you can only hang out and have fun because other people have maintained civilization And don't we want people to be able to hang out and have fun 300 years from now? And so if we don't maintain birth rates and the basics of civilization, that's going to stop, you know? And, you know, in Detroit, for example, you can see when uh, the automobile industry vanished because they kind of, you know, big corporations took it off to China to make more money for themselves, but, you know, at the expense of the society. Um, And then... um, and there's oh I guess maybe before that there was already um, some rioting and so you know there come some a lot of I think um, I don't know the details, but there's a lot of the middle class left at some point in the 60s I think. Um, but anyway, you had the uh, and then after the you know the um, you had um, the subprime mortgage crisis thing and on and on but basically Detroit kind of descended into um, bankruptcy and ruin. And there were the whole neighborhoods where only 10% of the houses, Uh, we're still full and so you know the municipality like the government they can't afford to supply buses electricity water etc so you can't just think oh that's fine we can just have less people because it's like well you know services get disrupted and then you know there's more crime there's vandalism um can get very dangerous um and so imagine that on like a kind of international scale you know not so good you know um and just look at you know One crazy guy in, you know, Bavaria um, chanting Zig Heil, you know, that can spread over a very, very large area if it catches the right momentum. So imagine what kind of dark momentum could come from certain parts of the world where there's a few snowball effects of, you know, depopulation and all the chaos that comes from it. And, you know, when there's trauma, human beings can get very dark, you know, Um, both out of a sense of vengeance against existence from, you know, not giving them what they wanted and expected, but also just because, you know, bad people have an opportunity to take over. So, you know, and so both because, you know, we want to be able to keep enjoying ourselves, but then also because, like, well, if we don't maintain a baseline, things get very dark, you know. Um, we need to maintain the birth rate. Um, and yet um, our approach to sexuality seems to be that, it, um, in the West at least, it's mostly about pleasure. It's not so much like Aubrey Marx is talking about of like, you know, spiritual evolution. There's a lot of people doing that, you know. Um, But um, a lot of people, it seems to be about just pleasure, short-term pleasure, and just kind of being like, hey, the world's kind of messed up already. The government and the corporations are screwing us. I'm just going to have fun and just share, you know, myself with, you know, the people I connect with. And, you know, what's the big deal? But um, I think the big deal, like I said, is, you know, we have duties to society you know and actually it's not so interesting to just be like you know a party party boy or party girl like for for what 30 years or something you know i don't know i mean i haven't done that but like uh in this life anyway i don't know um but i think it's it's actually you know really interesting to um kind of as someone who you know has become a father recently you know it's actually really enjoyable to kind of move up, it feels like the next level of the video game, you know, and there's still plenty of like, fun things, you know, but, um, and, in, and, you know, of course, like being in a long-term relationship, you can actually get much deeper into sexuality, you can, you know, you know your partner much better, you know what they like, what they don't like, they know the same for you, and you can um, kind of explore things and experience things together, and, um, and it's much more meaningful, you know, and you use it also to balance out you know, your physical health, because you know, as Felice Junasse talks about in Passion Play, it's very good for your health, sex, um, but also, you know, your psychology. Like just, you know, when one of you is in a bad mood, being able to kind of use a bit of seduction and, you know, kind of pull them into this very exciting, um, alluring energy, it can be a way to kind of deal with the stresses and strains of just daily life and um, kind of keep yourselves in a higher perspective. And so that's much more interesting, I think, than just using sex for, you know, kind of pleasure and just kind of a bit of simple adventure. It's like the deeper adventure of like exploring yourself and um, exploring relationship and and just creating like life. Like, you know, we have our baby and she's going to grow up and do the same thing that we are doing, you know, and you're kind of creating universes, like is, you know, chasing skirt on Friday night really more interesting than creating universes? I don't know. I don't think so, <laughs> you know. And, you you know, you can still chase skirt if you want, but within the confines of your own home, you know. Um, but, uh, or, you know, be chased. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I think um, basically what I'm getting at is I think sexuality, um, very powerful primal thing. And... Um, of course it's wonderful but it does um and we should be able to share ourselves you know fallen if it's mutually consensual then however we want um within you know the the natural law so you know i'd say you know maybe the greeks thought it okay to have sex with young boys but i don't think you know um i think you have to be mature enough true some 13 year olds might genuinely be more mature than some 18 year olds or something but It'd be very rare. So I think the law has to be that, like, no, like, you know, the standard is set at a higher age um, just to protect, you know, like, if you are really mature, okay, what's the big rush? You know, you can wait a little bit. Whereas if we err on the other side, then there's a lot of harm that comes from it. Um, And people exposed to sexuality too young, they lose their innocence. They're unable to kind of have the proper developmental process. Um, And that's another thing is, like, we should keep our innocence even when we're older and we are sexual beings um being able to say see a beautiful person but to not have to you know just have the knee-jerk reaction of like oh that's a person's really sexy but to be able to be like oh yeah that's someone's that's someone's sister that's someone's daughter maybe someone's mother or whatever and um someone's friend and to be able to see them as a human being and even as your sister be like you know like you know uh we're all brothers and sisters, right? Like human beings. And um, I think that can be quite beautiful. If you see someone and you're attracted to them, then be like, oh, you're my sister. And it kind of can reset things. Or brother, you know, if it's if you're attracted to men, you know? Um, and so it, it should... I think sexuality needs to be in balance. It's not the be-all and end-all, you know? And uh, I think it should be... It is rightly... Um, subservient to like um, nobility or whatever word you want to use for it like coolness or awesomeness or um, authenticity or intelligence or freedom Um, you know like uh, the real the right way to do things the best way you know Um, it involves a kind of like a kind of balance there so um and uh so yeah our, our culture i think you know but it's interesting because on the one hand we're kind of glorifying all like that being like yeah sexuality is all, always good you know whatever you want but then um and so that needs to be in balance like we need to be aware like that we need to treat people with respect and that um actually ourselves we are kind of being led around like slaves by our reptilian reptilian brainstem at the base of our skull if in you know, which is kind of what a pathetic existence to be a slave to some random automatic processes implanted by your genetic heritage like there's not even anyone there it's just like these programs in your brain and you're in control you're being controlled by evolutionary programs like that's you, you can't do better than that you know so someone might think like, oh, yeah, I am a big pimp, you know, I go and I sleep with all these women and it's like, okay, look, it can be impressive to be able to um, have a sexual conquest, so to speak, or seduce someone, but for both ways, you know, um, um, or, you know, anyone, say both sexes doing, you know, seduction or, you know, yeah, okay, you achieved your goal. That's, in, on some level, that's admirable, you achieving things, you know, some people can't achieve things. So yeah, um, credit where credit's due. Yeah, that's good. But, Um, you know, if it's all just about yourself and pleasure seeking, if everyone did that life would be like, you know, North Korea squared. So, you know, um, how am I supposed to be excited for you about that or, um, or respect that, you know, even if I can have enough respect to just not judge you, um, I can't, I'm not sure I can have enough respect to actually admire you there um you know and um yeah i think it's like and it's uh, i think a lot of the people who are doing that like say russell brand would be a good example he was like you know a sex addict you know and um the comedian british comedian and you know he's a podcast got a great uh, show on youtube and podcast under the skin on i think he's on rumble now right um and um but uh he then kind of, you know, got deep into like, he kind of woke up from that, like, what am I doing? And got into spirituality, meditation, yoga. And now he's, you know, during the whole COVID thing, he was like one of the, the voices of reason, like telling, like, Hey, this is what's happening. And with many, many other issues. And, you know, I don't agree with him on everything, but he's, uh, he's doing great work, you know, for the world. Um, and I think people like that, people who are all, you know, sex maniacs, um, a lot of that power there's a great power in that and that the thing is that could be devoted to more interesting causes like um russell brand's doing so if there's any uh, womanizers out there or mennonizers, um you know maybe i would just you could ask yourself like is there a higher goal i could be directing my creative energy at because um, if you're able to be very successful with you know seducing people there's a good chance that that intelligence there's a sort of problem solving and emotional intelligence there where well, that could really like do some crazy powerful things in the world, which you would probably enjoy more than it's the same old. Yeah. You know, seducing someone again, if you want to keep doing it, you know, that's fine. Um, if you're, you know, but I just say, you know, hopefully you're giving more than you're taking and you're not a vampire, you know? Um, and, uh, you're uplifting the world, you know? Um, and in general in sex, I think that's a principle like, needs to be learned you know it's not like i'm trying to get use you it should be i'm trying to give to you you know um and when you're both trying to give to each other then there's this feedback loop this crazy cycle where the energy just ramps up and you know event phyllis dunas talks about this and david data like it just massively recharges your batteries like physically and you know on every level above that um and so yeah so then on one hand um sexuality like we're think we need to be a bit more like um careful to make sure it's got us right place that it's not taking over our lives like you know let kids be kids you know and it should be cool like the kids who are like oh yeah i'm you know i'm going and doing all this stuff i don't know like uh, if i could go back in time and be like a preteen i'd probably you know be getting stuck into them being like like you know i don't know oh, I, I don't know maybe not getting stuck into them but I guess I could just say like um, it seems like actually the coolest way to be a preteen is to not be interested in all that stuff. Like if you're genuinely interested in it, then all right, cool. You know, you can explore that to the extent you want, you know, but I think um, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, as they say. And so, you know, it's like you don't want to be the 50 year old who's hanging out with 20 year olds. You don't want to be like the 12-year-old who's trying to be a 20-year-old, you know? Like, just, you know, understand where you are and just kind of make the most of that, you know? And again, everyone can live their own life, do what they want, but I'm just saying, I think these are things, I'm trying to get at principles which will make the individual happy, like who, any, anyone, but if they, you know, everyone knows themselves better than, you know, anyone else does, um, or at least can know themselves better if they pay attention and are honest with themselves. So, you know, everyone should do what they... Feel is right, but I think I'm trying to get at principles which are good for everyone and for the individual. You know, um, so I think yeah, we kind of glorify sexuality, but like we're not glorifying like innocence. But innocence is incredible, like you know, and um, you can it can be very powerful. Like say, um, I don't know, a sixteen-year-old who someone people are just talking about. Oh yeah, this guy I really want you know, you know, sleep with him or I want what he looks like naked or whatever, and then they're just like. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. What did you do on the weekend? Did you, did you, you know, were you, uh, you know, shifting some fella? But like, uh, actually, I was, I was reading um, Voltaire. You know, Voltaire got some really interesting ideas. Yeah, you know, makes really makes you think. <laughs> <Be> like, ah, <laughs> I suddenly feel strangely inferior. Um, you know, and then upon that basis, then you can really enjoy your sexuality because you've got you're grounded in, you've got your head screwed on your shoulders properly, you know um but again everyone evolves you know and develops a different timeline so that's fine um so yeah so there's that um where we sexuality I think should be kind of nested inside a a deeper ethic which is more like harmony or wisdom or being you know um moral you know integrity being a good person um and if you don't you feel like oh what does that even mean as Jordan Peterson has put it, you know, at a very basic level to someone who's, you know, disenchanted or alienated with the whole idea of harmony or doing good things or even believing that they exist is um, whatever reduces suffering, you know, everybody act, whatever makes the world more like heaven and less like hell. There's so much suffering in the world. And think of how you have suffered and everyone acts as if their suffering is real. And you can say, even people who say, Oh, I'm a nihilist, I don't believe anything matters. They st- it's like the big Lebowski, the nihilist, like, you know, when the guys like surprise them and don't smash their something or, you know, or like trick them and they don't get the money or whatever. They're like, but, but, but that's not fair. <laughs> and he's like, You're fucking nihilists. <laughs> you know, so even nihilists take their suffering and their failures and disappointments seriously, they think it matters. So if you think suffering matters, you think, therefore, you know, the good, the belief in the good means a belief in in the bad implies a belief in the good. The good is the opposite of that or whatever limits that. Um, And so, you know, the good can be hard to see, but, you know, the bad is very easy and tangible to see. And so, you know, just notice life is suffering, as the Buddha says. And then, you know, ah, oh, the good is, you know, okay, let's let's limit that. Let's move away from that. Um, and so, yeah, okay. So that's sexuality should be nested inside an ethic of, you know, um, yeah, um, wisdom and kind of alleviation of suffering. But then also there is an extent to which the culture, I think, in the West is a, with sexuality. One other thing I'd want to say okay, um, is like, the whole thing of like consent and, you know, people being like, Oh, you know, you should, um, have to have written consent before you <clears throat> have sex with someone. Cause then they can, you know, say, Oh no. Um, well, like you shouldn't be able to kiss someone unless you've asked them. Um, and I think, you know, look, partly it's coming from a good place. Some of it, I think some of it's coming from the desire to control people and tell them what to do and be bossy. But then, you know, a lot of it's coming from a good place, a desire to help people and alleviate suffering because there's people who, you know, are molested or raped and, you know, um, have terrible experiences with sexuality. But the thing is, a lot of the joy and healthiness of sexuality comes from not asking for permission. It's like the, the electricity when you're looking at someone and you're thinking, I, th- I want to kiss you and I think you want me to kiss you. And you kind of get in a little closer and you're like, do they know what I'm doing? Like, oh, well, there's a twinkle in her eye. I think she knows what I'm doing. I'm pretty sure, you know, she wants me to... Ki- and there's a certain leap of faith when you lean forward and there's a bit of a dance where you lean forward a bit, they lean forward a bit. And, you- and even with your words, you might... You flirt a little bit, but you make it subtle enough so that there's plausible deniability. If they, like, kind of close up, you can be, like, pretend like they've misunderstood you and they won't know enough. They're not inside your head, so they can't prove otherwise. Um, and they know that they don't know. So they can't fully reject you, um, which is very, very painful, rejection, obviously. Um, and so even with words, you, you put out a little flirt, but it's plausibly, you know, plausibly could not be a flirt. And then, and then you could just flirt very obviously as well. But often what happens is, you know, it's a little bit, but it's not totally obvious. And then the other person reciprocates and they do the same thing where it's not totally obvious. And then you're like, ooh, I think they are flirting back. And then you flirt again, maybe a little bit more. Just to test the waters, so you, instead of just jumping straight to kissing, you're kind of jump doing smaller increments, um, and then if they reciprocate again, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, there's enough feedback where it seems pretty likely they're into it, but there's a certain point where it's a leap of faith, and you know, it's like dancing, you step on each other's feet sometimes, but the the core issue shouldn't shouldn't be like you know, is there consent or you know, did you did you ask for consent? It should be, are you coming from a place of giving? and um respect um you're coming from a place of respect and harmony um if you're genuinely not trying to use someone but you're trying to see oh i um you're trying to engage in mutually beneficial mutually voluntary exchanges of giving then that's a beautiful thing and a lot of the magic comes from not talking about it just it, just being a physical thing the primalness of it you know and so i think we don't want to get rid of that or like make that illegal or something, you know, but so it should just be more focused on teaching the kids to be more respectful and to kind of, I think allowing them to be innocent longer, would probably going to help them be more respectful and more mature in their sexuality. Um, and so, you know, maybe we threw out the baby with the bathwater a bit when we, you know, turned away from the more traditional ideas of sexuality, you know, don't, you know, kiss anyone it's evil you go to hell but then suddenly it's like oh yeah you know you can have sex with strangers every day that's fine well maybe there's a middle point which we should try to you know bring the pendulum back to not all the way back to like religious extremism but like somewhere just in the middle a golden zone you know and maybe we'll go back and forth like the pendulum you know a little bit too much this way a little bit too much that way but we know the right direction is back where we came from right i think um but we know it's not all the way back But we just go back, back, and then at a certain point, you know, try to feel it out, you know, much like sexuality. Just sense our way forward. Um, What else? Anything else important to say here? Um, I think, yeah, talking about sexuality with, like, kids is, is very important. Like, sex ed, you know, I learned, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, contraception this is you know, how effective they are. These are STDs. Aren't they scary? There was nothing about, okay, how to talk to the opposite sex or, you know, and maybe, um, you could do, you know, a blind, you know, like a thing. like Okay. If you w- want to, you can let the teacher know what, okay, we don't get details, but like, <laughs> I don't know if it'd be teachers or fam, ideally this would be families doing it, I think. But, um, but because you know your children better, um, and what you want them to have there. But basically, being like, um, okay, look, this is how to engage with, you know, um, someone you're interested in romantically. These are the problems. These you're going to be afraid of rejection. You're going to be afraid of this. But say, I had an experience once where, like, I really, I really was into someone, and I think she was really into me. Um, but uh, and we were like, you know, like, uh, you know, in a pub together, sitting really close, and it was all like very, all sparks flying, all very exciting. But I was just waiting for the right moment. Waiting for the right moment. And then in the end, it was like, all right, it was like, oh, time to go home. And I didn't do anything, you know? And I just like, uh, I was like, the, the moment didn't come, you know? But it was like me, I was being passive. I wasn't being assertive. I wasn't being yang, masculine, you know? And That was extremely painful as a lesson. I was just like hated myself after. Um, but then I realized like, oh, that's part of it. And so, you know, you learn these things on your own. But I think, you know, that's one thing where parents can kind of take the edges off sexuality for kids is, to kind of explain as they're getting older, hey, you're probably getting attracted to girls if you're a boy in general. Of course, there's some people are gay and so you could try to tell them, hey, if you're gay, that's fine, you know, just let me know, you know. Um, And that's a whole other deeper conversation. But for now, I'll just, most people are heterosexual. So I'll just go with that. But definitely it's important, I think, to be open with your kids and, you know, whoever they are to respect them as they are, you know. Um, But uh, kind of, you know, but also to be aware, not to make it weird or be like, what are you? You must know now. It's like, I don't know. Some of these things could take time. But, um, but uh, or you don't even need to define yourself too much, I think. Just be yourself. But um, but to help kids kind of be a bit more aware of like, okay, these are some of the dangers. You don't want to get people pregnant because then, you know, like what if you don't want to really be together? And, you know, or, um, you know, the, the kid doesn't have enough resources and then, you, you know, you start fighting and then, you know, it's like that Paul Kelly song to her door, you know, they got married early, never had no money. Then when he got laid off, they really hit the skids. Then they started, then he started drinking. Then they started fighting. Um, uh, she, he took it pretty ba- uh,
1: badly. She took both the kids. <laughs> she said, I'm not standing by to watch you slowly die. So watch me walk in out that door.
0: Great song. Um, but yeah. So whatever, many things where I think um, we should be... Yeah, again, you don't want to go too much, you know, sense it out properly, but I think, yeah, um, it would be beneficial just to give, not just telling kids about, like, you know, contraception and, you know, diseases, but being like, hey, these are some ways, these are what, you know, the opposite tracks sex are attracted to in general, um, it seems, and maybe these are some things to... Opportunities and these are some challenges, you know? And just to help... And then I think that can take some of the anxiety out of it. And a big, big part of that needs to be respect and understanding. When in doubt, do nothing, <laughs> you know. But, um, you know, err on the side of just, you know, friendship or something, you know. Um, but anyway, so sexuality. Um, anything else to mention at this juncture? Hmm. Okay, I'd say that's pretty... Pretty much, yeah, that'll do. Don't think there's anything huge I'm missing. Um, so, right. Although, I, yeah, I would just say maybe I'm going to play a song here. Um, but before that, I'll just kind of conclude by saying, like, I think, you know, um, it's, uh, uh, you know, my dad sometimes would make jokes about, like, uh, talking about something that's good. and he'd be like, oh, it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on, you know. And so, you know. We're talking about the the most fun you can have in general, perhaps, under that definition. But um, I think, yeah, um, it can really help you develop, and you know, to be able to when you when you're in touch with your sexuality, and you know, you can communicate with what you want, and you can even just ex- explore things like power dynamics or things um, with your partner, which isn't part of who you are, but maybe you can just exercise that from your from your soul and you know kind of like let that energy out there's many primal energies in us which aren't us but they're running through our psychology and sexuality is a way to kind of channel them out and kind of siphon them off and filter them and you know get perspective on them and experience them and see what it's like and um and it's just a bit of you know play you know but um i think uh ideally you know i think pre sex i think it's fine um but i think it must be um, we should be teaching people and try to encourage in ourselves an understanding that the sexiest, coolest thing to do is not to be some player who's just going to disappear on people and says whatever is going to get them, you know, um, to take off their clothes, but to kind of use your power more sparingly and be, try to be aware of like, um, what does this person want and what do I want? And, you know um to ultimately um, as much as possible be kind of thinking is this someone i could see myself you know having children with um and if you don't want children that's fine you know but you kind of think do do they you know but i think most people do want children actually and um and it's wonderful i think it's really cool i think and i think you know not just for yourself and there's a bunch of people who would want children but they think oh no but the world imagine You know, what a messed up world. How could I do that? And anyway, it's going to hurt the world. There's too many people. A, there's not too many people. There's actually not enough people um, in terms of birth. So you'd be helping the world by doing that, balancing out civilization, keeping things calmer, you know, and B, you know, there's always problems. I'm not, I'm glad I got born into this world, even if there's suffering, you know, it's better than nothing, isn't it? So would you rather your parents had not had you just so that, you know, because the world's not perfect? I don't think so. Um, I think very few people, you know, unless you're suicidal, you know, then everyone would disagree with that and say, no, it's worth it. So it's worth it for your kids too, right? Logically. Um, And in any way you can, you know, if uh, all the good people and thinkers stop having children, that's just going to increase the ratio of crazy people. So if you want to kind of take care of the rest of people as an act of love, you know, have some kids and teach them to be reasonable, respectful, conscious, Members of society that can help out everyone else down through time, so we can keep chilling and enjoying ourselves through time, um, and uh, so uh, yeah, so exp- experiencing these things. But we, it's it's all good. But um, it should be in in the background. We should be kind of as soon as we can think. Okay, is this person someone I could be in a long term relationship with and start a family with? Um, in most cases, and um, and if, as soon as you start to feel like no, then okay, try to figure it out re- as quickly as you can. And once you're like, yeah, no, I, I don't want to be in a long-term relationship here. I don't want to be have kids with this person. I would say, you know, even if you're using contraception, you could get pregnant anytime, you know. But even so, just, you know, putting your time into that, that's opportunity cost that you both could be finding someone else. And even if you think that, oh, yeah, I'll be able to find someone else. I can do another six months here and then just go and find someone else. What about the other person? Are they able to do that? Or maybe the love of their life is going to come along in two months and they're going to go, oh, no thanks, I'm in a relationship, only to get dumped four months later, you know? So you owe it to each other, I think, to kind of be honest. And if you think, you know, the paths aren't meant to continue, it was just meant to be this far and no further, then, you know, that's beautiful. Like I've had, um, you know, relationships where it was really beautiful and deep and we learned a lot and grew together sexuality being a big part of it and what brought us together at first, you know. But where um, we both came to understand, yeah, this was meant to be this far and not further. You know, the journey ends at death at the latest anyway, you know. So what does it matter if it's a bit earlier? It's just, okay, we shared the road for a while and then... And of course, I think most probably death is the end of one chapter and the beginning of the next. But but anyway, let's keep it simple enough and say... um, yeah, you can share the road with someone and that's not a failure if you end the relationship. It's it's actually a success if you can just be true to yourselves and understand what's helping you grow. Um, and so um, if you realize you're not meant to be together, then okay, Godspeed and kind of, you know, um, gently, although it'd be painful, it's like a, you know, medicine. It can be bitter, but it's healthy and you're going to feel it's going to be sweeter in the long term, you know. Um, And uh, so, and then you can go find better relationships or relationships where it's just, you, you know, you're more, you connect better, you're more in resonance, you know, it's not a judgment on the other necessarily, you know, Um, it can just mean, you know, it's not, um, uh, you know, we're not similar enough or we're, or we're too similar, you know, or the ways in which we're similar, the ways in which we're different don't quite connect, whatever it is, the the connection, the chemistry, it's not quite right, Um, so, To move on and so sexuality is all good but i think it does need to be subservient to relationship um in general and kind of emotion and just meaning and um kind of yeah a higher perspective of self-realization and you know expression of your potential in the world which is much bigger than just an animal right you're a human being so you know um and uh i think yeah So individually we can do that and we can try to encourage each other as a society to be able to enjoy the primal wilderness and power and insanity of sex, but then um, also balance it within um, the arms of emotion and um, empathy and uh, ethics. Yeah. So um, right, that's enough for now. I want to play uh, The Book of Love uh, by uh, The Magnetic Fields from their album uh, 69 Love Songs. It's like a three-side album with uh, 13 songs on each side. Really good. Um, um, Another great song from it is I think Absolutely Cuckoo or something. Um, Incredible. But this one, here we go. Shift this microphone, maybe make it a bit easier.
1: The book of love is long and boring, no one can lift the damn thing, it's full of charge and facts and figures and instructions for dancing but I in it. In fact, that's where music comes from. And some of it's just transcendental. And some of it's just really dumb. But I go. And it's full of ch- flowers and heart-shaped boxes and things we're all too young to know. But I, 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 I love it when you give me things and you I love it when you give me things And you You ought to give me wedding rings
0: One more thing I would say about sex, I guess, is that much like music, you know, sometimes it's out of tune. Sometimes your voice isn't perfectly in key. Um, sometimes your mind starts thinking like, oh, am I singing the song okay? Um, and then there's always the primal, powerful choice to just swan dive right back into the music, you know, and um, and not take it too seriously and just take it all as food for thought and feeling and just you know just the colors of life and so um yeah and uh so i invite you to enjoy the gift of your god-given sexuality and to embrace that as one chakra of seven <laughs> and you know to know that it's by no means the only part of yourself but it is part of yourself and if you can learn to express it um, in harmony and not to be deterred by people who are too extreme one way or the other, then, um, yeah, you will be more in tune as a person and make more beautiful soul music through your actions and your choices and what you create in this life. So um, that's it. That's my thoughts on sex or sexuality. And uh, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy.